So one of the interesting things that I would walk away with when I spent time at my Indian mother's house was uh, the love of the mother is so strong and so pervading that no matter what she cooks, if her love is there, it supports life. Um, and of course, like my Indian mother, um, they were Brahmin, so they were vegetarian. Um, and if I ever even brought meat into the house, like I had to eat it on separate dishes, kinds of things like that, because they didn't want the energy of death to touch your food. Again, it's like food supports life. It shouldn't be laced with death. And so not just like the mother preparing it, but like the farmer that grows the food and how the animal is treated. Um, so if like the cow is treated very well and like the milk is shared with the calf and you're not taking so much that the calf can't grow properly, like that's a totally different environment from what it is today. Hello, welcome back or welcome to the Eat Green, Make Green podcast. As always, I'm Pat McCauley. Happy 2019. This is the first episode I've done of the new year. Um, so I wish everybody a happy, healthy, productive, fun, and incredible year this year. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed time with friends and family and um I think I got a good episode to kind of kick off the new year here as people are, you know, looking for new ways to approach their health or life or um, just, um, you know, start start fresh with, with some new perspectives. Um, so this week's episode is with Rachel Warnock. Rachel actually works with me at Rewild um, in Quincy. Um, and I've gotten to know her over the past few months and every time, you know, during a slow period at the restaurant or we get a chance to talk for a little bit, she hits me with, you know, some bit of her past or her story that I'm always <laughs> kind of surprised by, whether it's like she speaks a bunch of different languages or, you know, she has a master's in Ayurveda and she is like an Ayurvedic expert and just super knowledgeable in that area. Um, or, you know, she boat races these crazy little boats uh, <laughs> and is on like the national team for doing that. Um, so just interesting every time I sit down with her. And um, yeah, so after some of those conversations, I was like, all right, we're doing a podcast. I want to hear more about you, but also um, I am super interested in Ayurveda and uh, wanted to hear more and thought it would be really beneficial to everybody, uh, again, because she's just so knowledgeable in it. Um, we get all into it, but Ayurveda is a form of Eastern medicine. It's Indian-based. Um, and just a thought, you know, as I had listened to her, and, you know, these are techniques that have literally been around in terms of treating, you know, mind, body, soul, they've been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Um, you know, and we call them alternative medicine or alternative thinking for some reason. And, you know, this modern Western medicine kind of put a Band-Aid on it, take the pill and, you know, manage the, the symptoms without solving the underlying problem. 
we call that modern medicine. And, and for some reason, that's the default when, you know, we have had, you know, these, these other forms of medicine that have been tested over millennia. Um, so to, to me, that modern medicine, and I'm not against modern medicine at all, but that's the alternative, and that should be the last line of defense, not the first, um, in my opinion. Anyway, I want to read a quote because I think this summarizes sort of um, the talk pretty well and a lot of the things I try to preach and things I've learned. Um, this is something Rachel said um, in, in the episode. Ayurveda, in a nutshell, is to avert the danger that has not yet come. Being in tune with your body in nature so that when you start to feel the funk, you can adjust in a way that you avert the danger that has not yet appeared. Now, this is literally, I think, the basis of wellness. Having tools, having, you know, techniques, having the awareness that when something is off, when you start to feel bad, whether you start to feel down on yourself or you start to feel sick, that you recognize that, okay, what am I doing in my life that is causing this? You know, what, what tool can I pull from my bag? What tweak can I make in my lifestyle to, you know, to avert this from, from to, to make sure this doesn't progress into a problem, into a dis-ease? Um, and I think that's just incredible, right? It's preventative medicine. It's preventative lifestyle it is making sure you don't end up in a situation, you know, in the hospital room with, you know, whatever, X-stage heart disease. It, it's, it's making sure those, you never get to that point, and that's wellness. Um, and anyway, I've blabbed on here because I'm obviously uh, pretty jacked up about this, but I will let her tell the rest on this front, but uh, Rachel is just incredible, um, incredibly interesting person, incredibly positive person. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to know her, um, and I look forward to getting to know her more in the future. Um, so saddle up. If you're in a high-speed boat, saddle up uh, <laughs> for, for Rachel. So without further ado, the amazing Rachel Warnock. Rachel Warnock yes. in the in the rewild house. What's going on, fam? <laughs> so, little context for people. So, we connected You've been here since day 1, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, not that it's been like super long, but um, Rachel has graciously um, worked at Rewild for 3 months now, ish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the OGs at Rewild way back and and <laughs> to just like thank you publicly you know it's been incredible to have you here um you're always positive and just like believe it obviously are vegan and believe in plant-based and kind of what we do mm -hmm. um and it's just hard to find people like that you know that come and want to support it and are happy to be here and you totally from what I can see, exude that, and like it's just awesome to have 
have you around. So, so thank you on that front. Absolutely. And I do have to say it's a great group of people. It's really good food. It's a great idea. It's a great thing to be a part of. Love the plant-based. Always happy to be a part of anything, any movement, and going in that direction. And happy to support it and kind of like share the love of, of plants, plant foods. So, Pat, thanks for having me. Totally, yeah. And I, once we sort of got to know each other and I kind of... Uh, got a sense of all the things you're into first i think first you hit me with the boat racing which we're going to get into second um i think was ayurveda mm-hmm. um and you were throwing out all kinds of things about like the acidity of food or something i don't know something like that <laughs> i found it super interesting and then um and then you also have a little entrepreneurial thing going on yourself so yeah totally um yeah the more we got to know each other i was like this has definitely got to be an episode um, so here we are. Here I am. So Rachel is not a Quincy native, but live in Quincy now. Yes. Um, but prior to that, can you give us sort of some uh, life leading up to landing in Quincy and what that was all about? Sure. Uh, I grew up um, in the small town of Pewaukee, Wisconsin, which is just out, it's kind of outside of Milwaukee, but because um, nobody knows what or where Pewaukee is. So about half an hour outside of the great city of Milwaukee. Um, Pewaukee outside of Milwaukee? Milwaukee. Yeah, Waukee Waukee is a Ho-Chunk word for lake. And I live in a lake, Uh, an area with a lot of lakes. And we have a lot of Native American names out there. And and there's a lot of Waukees. Nagawaukee, Milwaukee, Waukesha. And it's, Waukee means lake. So Pewaukee means lake of shells, just in case you were wondering. Cool, very cool. (laughs) Yes. And um, so I spent... A quarter century of life there. Um, I did my college undergraduate in Milwaukee, and then I did my master's degree, which was in Ayurveda, uh, down in Fairfield, Iowa, at Maharishi University of Management. So you have a master's in Ayurveda. Yeah, it's actually the the title is Vedic Science because it also encompasses um, yoga and meditation. Uh, we did a lot of study of neuropsychology, um, the biology of higher states of consciousness. Uh, some people went a very yoga asana route. Others did like a very yoga philosophy route. Some people really got really deep into uh, reading the Vedic texts. But it was under the umbrella of Veda. Vedas are the ancient texts of India. And Ayurveda, those are some of the texts. So I took the health and wellness route mm. and um, did an internship at the... Raj Ayurvedic Health Spa. I did part of my studies there. Um, and a lot of the people that do the Ayurvedic track there progress that way. Um, some of my classmates spent their days reading Sanskrit and others spent their time um, becoming certified yoga teacher trainers. But it was kind of like uh, studying the ancient wisdom of India and being able to apply it to your modern life. And they have a master. They have a PhD program in that, actually. So I just did the masters, um, and then spent a year after my degree doing what's called um, your practical, which is kind of a mini residency. You're working one-on-one with clients or with patients um, for free, but under the tutelage of your professor. So making sure that you're not going to recommend herbs that are going to hurt somebody or, you know, these are the problems. How are you going to address them for your client? And making sure that you can apply everything that was taught to you properly. 
So can I jump in and ask where, like, at, you know, say 18 years old or whatever you were, where did that desire to study that come from? Because that was not even like, I didn't even know what that was when I was 18. I didn't even know what, you know, basic stuff was like yoga, meditation. Like that was not even on my radar. Okay. Well, I got really lucky. Um, Growing up, I had a number of spiritual experiences that my mom really supported. Um, We also had a very international like group of friends and one of my mom's very best friends is Indian. Mm. And so from the age of 10, I've been going over, I was going over to their house, playing with their daughter, who's about my age, and uh, celebrating Diwali and things like that, you know, Holi and um, Navratri and all things like that. Uh, so like I would go over and we would get henna tattoos and her mom would try and teach us Hindi, try because she, we didn't retain much, um, but we would watch Bollywood and she would read to us from the Bhagavad Gita. And so I grew up with this kind of like multicultural environment. And um, so when I was in high school, I got the opportunity to learn Reiki. Um, So I I was a Reiki practitioner when, actually I started when I was 12. And um, so I was always kind of like involved in like more spiritual things. In Reiki for people that don't know, that's like healing with energy sort of deal? Yeah, it's hands-on, it's a breathing technique. It allows you to manipulate the subtle energies of the body. Um, For the person experiencing it, it's kind of like an induced meditative state. It's Japanese in origin. Um, but that's, yeah, so it's kind of like always in my awareness. Um, I started teaching a class at a local community center when I was 20 on psychosomatic conditions. Psychosomatic being like how your body stores stress, different kinds of stress differently in the body and kind of like how to deal with that. And I wanted to be able to, so I had like all this energy-based work and spiritual-based work. I wanted to counter that with body stuff. Like I needed to be able to treat the body as well, not just be mm. like, uh, yeah, I can, I can manipulate the subtle energy fields of your body, but like I'd really like to be able to like give you some herbs or I, sh- I feel like I needed more balance. And my Reiki master was an alumni from Maharishi University of Management and she strongly encouraged that I go there as well. And I took her up on that. And uh, so I finished my undergraduate, which was in comparative religion and French language with a minor in Japanese. Um, And uh, I worked a year and then I went to grad school and studied Ayurveda so that I could treat the person body, mind, and spirit. Mm. And so when I was 24, yeah, I was I was ready to enter the world. So you were you were you grew up in sort of that like environment where yeah, I got really some of this sort way. of what you know in my upbringing would have been considered very alternative, yes, and very sort of out there even. Yes. Um, but you kind of grew up with that, and yeah, yeah. It, that's almost normal to you. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, like my when we would get sick as kids, my mom would give us echinacea, like. Before the cough syrup. I mean, the cough syrup would come out at some point if we continued to be sick. But uh, vitamin C tablets and echinacea were the first line of defense. And my mom's a very educated and practical woman, but she had this real like sense of spirit around her. And so when I showed a curiosity for it, she encouraged it. Mm. So, wow, that's, that's like <laughs> totally cool. So... You, 
grew up with with that understanding, but also sort of like the and I guess it all ties in, and we'll probably get into this. But yeah. the the idea that like before taking like the medication or something like that, that there's other ways to right. intervene prior right. to and there was never, taking that route. There was never anything against modern like allopathic yeah. medicine yeah. Or, or like pharmaceuticals or anything like that. It was just let's try this first. Let's see if we can fix it with this first. And um, so there was never any like, oh no, we're not going to do that. And it was just like, let's try this route and see where we go. And and um, there are many, many different ways to fix something. So let's try this route first. Mm, very cool. All right. Mm-hmm. So 24-ish. Yeah. You have your master's in this. Yes. Which is just, I find so cool. I didn't even know you could do that, which is cool. Um, and then what? Like what's, what's next for well, you at that point? Well, then, um, so the... The economy in Wisconsin was really lagging. Like, um, one of the other reasons why I had chosen to go to graduate school was because I finished undergraduate literally as the crash of 2008 was happening. Mm. And there were no jobs for anybody graduating college. And um, Wisconsin did not recover very quickly from that. So a couple years later, and the economy is still pretty behind. my father recent, had recently passed away at that point in time in my life, and while I had plans to move out to Boston right after graduate school, because of the economy, because of boat racing, things like that, um, I put that on hold because I have a brother with special needs and my mom was just a few years away from retirement. So I decided to stay in Wisconsin for a few more years, um, but there aren't any jobs anywhere. So I put out a shingle. <laughs> and started taking clients one-on-one. And I definitely would not have been able to do it if I hadn't been living at home. Like, there is no way. Mm, But that definitely, that allowed me to get my feet wet. I worked for three years um, teaching classes at community colleges, um, taking clients one-on-one, and eventually also working as a contractor at Freighter Hospital in their cancer department, Um, mostly for Reiki, but I did do some Ayurvedic stuff there as well. So teaching classes, taking patients, um, the hustle was real. Mm. And Amen. Yeah. yeah. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> so after my mom retired, though, like I knew my future was not in Wisconsin. The, I mean, people say that it's better there now, but I, a lot of the cohort that I graduated with, many of the people left. We all kind of like went to different cities to find our futures. Mm. And when I look at my few friends that stayed and all of my friends that left, the ones that left and moved to major cities are further along in their careers. Like they are afforded more opportunities. Yeah, it was hard and expensive, but um, the people back, you know, people that I know back in Wisconsin that are my age are still like struggling, working multiple jobs. Um, and so I don't think the economy in the middle of the country ever really fully recovered from that crash. So but. is there, when it comes to Ayurveda and some of the things you teach, yeah. is there more demand for that stuff in kind of more that progressive too. cities too? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that was another big thing that was pushing me forward. Um, convincing people why I was worth the small amount of money comparatively that I was charging um, was very difficult. Mm. And out here, uh, I charge more, the cost of living is more, 
but I don't have to convince people that there's value. Yeah. Like the value is inherent. Uh, people recognize it. And, and just there, <laughs> when I work with people out here, they're a lot more willing to stick to the changes that I suggest for their, for their diets. Um, there's a lot less pushback. Uh, they stay on it for a while instead of, yeah, I did it for three months. And then I was like, I really wanted that hamburger. And uh, so it's, I feel like people are more willing to work with me out here. Um, they're more willing to give the effort to, to see, to invest the time and the effort to see the change before they make a decision. Um, and yeah, it's, the, the culture is more open to it for sure. Yeah. So I want to dive a little more into Ayurveda. Absolutely. And sort of like what that is yeah. for people like me that don't fully get it. Okay. Um, and sort of how it sort of ties into like obviously foods in there and different lifestyle measures are in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just love like, could we get sort of just some high level like sure. breakdown and then we can sort of Absolutely. branch off. Yeah. So Ayurveda is a school of medicine. It's 5,000 years old. Uh, it's from India. Ayurveda means, you can translate a couple different ways, but it's often translated as the science of life or wisdom and knowledge of living. Um, so, of course, diet is involved, but there's a lot of just lifestyle stuff. Um, we would hear stories of ancient and wise Ayurvedic practitioners that would recommend uh, time, spending time with children if you were depressed, mm. uh, if you couldn't quiet your mind, watching animals graze, you know, and just like really, con so it's almost like induced meditation. Yeah. Um, and taking early morning walks, spending time in the sun. So it's how to live in harmony. Um, yoga is actually a sister science. So there's a lot of blending of the two, especially when yoga talks about proper diet that pretty much points directly at Ayurveda because there's seasonal eating in Ayurveda. So it's diet, it's lifestyle, it's meditation, and when absolutely necessary, it's herbs as well. Mm. Um, herbs to help correct imbalances. But ideally, if you're living in yoga, living in union with life and with the seasons, then you shouldn't need herbs because your body should be in perfect balance. I but love it. I love it. So, like, because I'm, like, kind of, I don't want to say I'm there, but, like, all the things you were talking about, like, are very much a part of my life. And I mm -hmm. know, like, I need to do those things to feel good every day. Yeah. You know, like, I need to check those boxes or I'm, totally. I feel off. Yeah. Um, it's, it's obvious to me, but, you know, five years ago, it definitely would not have been obvious to me. Some of the recommendations, but. Right. So if I'm, like, coming to you, sure. for example, to, is it, is it people coming to you that are, sick or is it people that are just looking for kind of a more awareness or a deeper connection to things or like what's kind of like the common person that reaches out well yes all of the above yeah. but most i would say like 80 percent of the people that come to me are like they have something that they're trying to get rid of mm. they have some kind of specific ailment um whether it's digestive issues or they just, they want to get off their prescriptions. Yeah. Um, they want to feel, you know, like there is something, it's less general usually and more specific for the most part. Um, by the way, just as a side note, I don't get to take anybody off the prescriptions. I just get them to the point where they can talk to their doctor yeah, yeah, about yeah. getting off. Yeah. But, um, and, but we do some cleanses usually. 
Um, Ayurveda does have like a really amazing complex world of different cleanses, total body cleanses, cleanses that target specific body parts. Uh, there, there have been some studies on them actually, and Panchakarma, which is like the biggest cleanse you can probably do, and usually you dedicate a couple weeks to it. Um, they did a, there was a study that was done in the 90s, I believe, and they took fat samples uh, from like fat biopsies and measured the number of lipophilic toxins. Um, lipophilic toxins, they love fats, they cling on to fats. Those are things like DDT and glyphosate, yeah. the worst environmental toxins that we get exposed to and the hardest to get rid of. And um, after Panchakarma treatments, the lipophilic toxins had decreased by almost 50%, mm. which is unheard of uh, because of their difficulty in getting rid of. So like Panchakarma is super good stuff, a um, little trickier to do here in the States, but we there are some places that you can go and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so they're coming in looking for a specific thing, and then I work with them. I always give them attainable health goals. So like if you're super busy and you don't have time to cook, I'm not going to put a whole bunch of recipes together for yeah, you. Yeah. Um, they're always attainable health goals. And once we get to, once we reach that bar point, then we set the bar a little higher and then we set the bar a little higher and then we set the bar a little higher. But it's always working within your lifetime, like your life, your specific schedule, because um, I can tell you, yeah. you know, to fly to the moon, but if you don't have a rocket ship, yeah, you know. Totally. Let's get halfway to the moon first, then we'll talk about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, right. Like, let's get, let's get the rocket science down first. <laughs> so, all right. So I'm your typical nine to five guy, Yeah. you know, not happy with my weight, you know, mm -hmm. maybe, um, you know, have some digestive issues, whatever. I mean, what, what's kind of like go-to in terms of food? Obviously you are vegan and eat yeah. plant-based, so maybe you can get into right. why that is and why you recommend that yeah. to people. Okay. So, um, I am definitely a proponent of the vegan diet, uh, or at least vegetarian. Ayurveda in and of itself is a huge proponent of a vegetarian diet. Um, if they, why is that? Yeah. So yeah. Sorry, I keep cutting no, you off, but I'm like totally so curious. Okay. No, no, no yeah. it's really great. Um, let's go down. Let let me answer that question first about Ayurveda being specifically geared towards vegetarianism. Um, in Ayurveda, foods have certain qualities. There's sattvic food, which is the highest, the purest. Sattva means truth. It means purity. Um, many Sanskrit words can be translated a bunch of different ways into English. They don't equal each other very well. Um, and sattva has a ton of different translations, but let's just call it purity, truth, um, and like the most life-supporting. Mm. Rajas is the middle bar, and uh, that that's what kind of like, those are high-energy foods. They kind of sustain. They keep you there. Um, if you're somebody who works out a lot, you actually kind of would want a lot of rajasic foods in your diet because it gives you a lot of energy. Um, whereas sattva really activates the mind and the higher states of intellect. Um, somebody who, somebody who's very serious in their yoga practice would really want to eat a lot of sattvic foods because it's going to deepen their state of meditation um, and kind of like awaken, make it easier for them to have the 
biological experience of higher states of consciousness. Can you give examples of those two food groups? Like what, what so foods fall in there? Food, yeah. yeah, so and sattvic foods are vegetarian foods. Yeah. Um, they're fruits, they're vegetables, um, they're leafy greens. Uh, your rajasic foods are a little bit more grains, so chickpeas, um, rice is rajasic. Uh, Certain, well, you can you can make an argument for sattvic if you cook it a certain way, with like spices like turmeric or saffron rice and things like that. When you cook it with spices, um, then you can make an argument for it becomes more sattvic. Um, some of this, it's a little bit of a scale, you know, in terms of how yeah. rajasic, how sattvic something is, and sometimes it's kind of borderline. Um, but the bottom tier is tamasic, and that moves the energy in the body downward. It's the and it's food that's not very life supporting, and meat is tamasic. So Ayurveda, which wants you to have a long and healthy, vital life, mm. wants you to eat more rajasic and sattvic foods, and they want you to stay away from tamasic foods. Um, it's this idea that food should support life. And therefore, it should not be laced with death. And uh, meat, of course, comes from an animal. Um, in Ayurveda, in India, in Indian culture, eggs are grouped with meat. Um, but so, like, eggs are kind of like tamasic, a little bit yeah. more on the rajasic side. Um, but they want you to not, not eat a lot of meat or eat it very sparingly only at certain times of the year, only at certain times of the day. Uh, but if we're living in an ideal world, you'd be eating a vegetarian diet. Uh, some of And most of us do. Yes. Most of us do have Whole Foods next door and all these things, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely, if you're living in a city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so here's an interesting topic, too, on the quality of food. Milk traditionally is considered sattvic. And Remind me, that's the middle that's tier? The, that's, the, that's the top tier. That's the top tier? Yeah, okay, this is interesting. Tier. Yeah, this yeah. Is, so this is like a really great story. Um, so traditionally, so cows are sacred in India because mm -hmm. all of life can be supported with this animal. And um, 5,000 years ago, if you were an Indian guy living in the Hindu valley, um, your cow, like your family probably had a cow. Your cow probably lived inside with you, like in your living room. He was a pet, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. like your family, your kids probably like slept cuddled up next to the cow. Um, you milked your cow every morning. Okay, so she. She, yeah. yeah. And I mean, some of that milk <laughs> yeah. would have gone to the calf if there was a calf. Or yeah. I mean, I'm assuming that there's a calf. Um, so like that milk would have been shared um, with the calf. Some of it would have gone to you. Some of it would have gone to your children. Um, if you were a middle to low income family, you, that was a primary source of protein for you. you. Even if you could afford or like were okay with eating meat, you wouldn't have had access to it a lot. Yeah. And so it was a really um, good source of protein back then. And you probably worked in the fields. So it was a good source of energy for you. There are a lot of um, recipes in Ayurveda that are super calorie dense. And it was kind of like, you, you have this in the morning and it's so satisfying that it carries you through your work day, like until mm. lunchtime. 
And when you make this, it's all like milk and sugar. So of course, you know, it would have taken you from 6 a.m. to yeah. noon working in the fields. And uh, the cow, specifically cow's milk as opposed to goat's milk or sheep's milk or anything like that, the, the closer the animal was to human, the higher the, conscious, the consciousness of the animal, and so the more sattvic it is. Um, cows are extremely peaceful in nature, um, and because they're so peaceful and easygoing, and you can lead them around, and they're not aggressive. Like, goats can be aggressive and, yeah. and flippant and weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, cows are always just, like, so good-natured. So in India, it was considered, like, a cow... Cow's very nature was sattvic. Mm. And mother's milk, of course, human breast milk would have been very sattvic. Um, but we don't milk humans the way we milk cows and or like have them procreate the same way. Um, endangering your wife's life through pregnancy was too much of a risk. It's easier, you know, the cow had yeah, a yeah, better yeah. time of it. And uh, so cow's milk was perceived as being the next best thing to human milk. And it was very, very, it was considered very sattvic in nature. Mm. In today's modern world, yeah. that's definitely not how cows are treated. Um, and there was that lactose uh, genetic mutation that happened a thousand years ago uh, that in America, in most first world countries, we're having lactose A1, which is pretty undigestible by humans. Um, and we know nowadays that casein is very inflammatory. And, uh, and, and it's, it's just, I have a hard time buying the sattvic um, line with milk in the modern world. It's, yeah. it's pasteurized, it's shipped all over the world. It, um, cows are mistreated, mishandled every day in order to produce this, this liquid that we also don't need anymore. Like we have access to other types of protein, other sorts of calorie dense foods. They didn't have hemp protein or spirulina back 5,000 years ago. Um, amaranth, you know, all these really high protein, um, calorie dense foods, uh, that we have, we thankfully have access to. Um, so there is a, a group of Ayurvedic practitioners that are more on the vegan side um, because milk can be so inflammatory, because it's tied with so many different respiratory conditions, joint conditions, yeah. um, brain inflammation. Um, it's, they recommend a more vegan diet as opposed to just vegetarian. Um, but Yeah, so can you... Yeah. Can you I very much like agree with the idea of how the animal is treated mm -hmm. and how that food then affects you. Yeah. Um, can you touch on that a little bit? Because obviously like you're dancing around it. It's a little different when you're, you know, drinking the milk of a cow that is treated in a totally different way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Like maybe energy so, around food no, and how yeah, that and translates. Yeah. And that is a big thing in Indian yeah. culture and Ayurveda. Um, some people get into it more than others. Um, but the energy that goes into preparing the food is also an element that is inherent in Indian culture. It's a little bit subtext in Ayurveda, but just, just for instance, to kind of go into that, um, the, the energy that goes into preparing the food 
creates the quality of the food. So one of the interesting things that I would walk away with when I spent time at my Indian mother's house was uh, the love of the mother is so strong and so pervading that no matter what she cooks, if her love is there, it supports life. Mm. Um, and of course, like my Indian mother, um, they were Brahmin, so they were vegetarian. Um, and if I ever even brought meat into the house, like I had to eat it on separate dishes, kinds of things like that, because yeah. they didn't want the energy of death to touch your food. Again, it's like food supports life. It shouldn't be laced with death. And so not just like the mother preparing it, but like the farmer that grows the food and how the animal is treated. Um, so if like the cow is treated very well and like the milk is shared with the calf and you're not taking so much that the calf can't grow properly, like that's a totally different environment from what it is today. Um, and I mean, certainly in certain parts of the world, people still live that way. And you know, I'm a vegan, and I, you know, if, if that's your source of protein out in rural Africa, yeah. I mean, if, that's a different story. If, you're, if you don't right. eat three meals a day and yeah. live in a Western world, and, a totally you know, story. you have one cup of milk yeah. for to hit your, you know, 1,500 calories for the day, right. you do it. Yeah. But it's but a different ballgame. And today, yeah. in living in a Western civilization, um, you, like, having consuming something that is laced with abuse that comes from an abusive place you're buying these foods you're even if you're not doing it yourself you're financially supporting the industries that do mm -hmm. um, and propagating it and uh, then sir, I mean people have different beliefs but I'm certainly of the belief system that your food is laced with abuse with cruelty with with death um, because those calves get sent to slaughter. You know, those the calves that are produced for the milk. Yeah, if, as it's, a a, if it's a male, they yeah, die right they die. away. They, they, kill they, them. they Or like they just stand in yeah. a box for six months until they're fat enough to be made into veal. And it's terrible. Yeah. There's a lot of death in the dairy industry and overbreeding for the poor cows. And um, like the lifespan, I think, is only four years. It's Yeah, I think it's, it's even less now. Yeah. They like just pump them full of food for two years right. and then it's like. It's, you and, know, impregnate them as many times as possible, get all the milk and kill them. Yeah. And you're doing it for something that's not even necessary for life. Yeah. Um, so I certainly wouldn't think, I don't consider milk to be, milk in the modern Western world is certainly not <clears throat> sattvic in my book. Okay, so we got, <laughs> we got nutrition somewhat, yeah, right? Yeah. Obviously that whatever plan you give to somebody varies on the person and yeah, how they are yeah. living and whatever. Right. Um, in terms of other sort of lifestyle measures to better one's health, what, yeah, what what's, do you get what's into? It, well, what, um, I'll, so I spent some time in India. Um, I studied in an ashram in Gati. Um, we, it was a lot of meditation. It was yoga, but not in the American sense of yoga, um, not asanas, but we did learn a lot of kriyas, which are under the umbrella of yoga, mm. um, but it's a kind of a different thing. Um, it means actions. So they're very small, simple actions. Um, they're meant to enliven and awaken the nervous system and reduce stress. So sometimes I'll teach my clients a set of kriyas. Sometimes I'll see, teach them some pranayama, some breathing techniques. Sometimes I will put together um, 
guided meditations for them. Other times I'll recommend out, be like, hey, you know, do you, can I, can I just support you in, in exercising? Like be like a cheerleader for you and be like, hey, you know, if it means texting you every day and say, hey, did you hit the gym? Or hey, have you reached out and gotten yourself a personal trainer yet? Mm. Um, like I'm not afraid to farm out to other people for when I'm not qualified for something. Um, but uh, yeah, so sometimes it's just supporting and making sure that they like are doing the things that they know that they should be doing. Um, sometimes I'm a little bit more hands-on um, with like meditation, with kriyas, with pranayam, um, in terms of the, like the lifestyle aspect of it. Yeah, I have a I have a buddy who is a big yogi, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure he's into kriya, and he calls like kind of modern day yoga he's like dude that's gymnastics like you know that's not yoga and he's very much into like the meditation side of yoga I think is my understanding (laughs) so I try to meditate every day yeah um you know pretty consistently Mm -hmm. what's and obviously like I do it because it makes me feel good the rest of the day like I am so much calmer yeah it just makes me more productive throughout the day like Mm -hmm. you know you name it Mm-hmm. Um, what is like sort of like a just one sort of piece of advice to somebody who wants to get into it maybe like a you know into meditation into meditation like a is or am I too much is it no, can no, this no. be like a five minute like something they can wake up and do for like five minutes in the morning maybe it's breathing I don't no, know yeah um, just deep breaths like just yeah. take three deep breaths Um, I think the biggest thing that people, the biggest misconception that people have about meditation is that they try to do Mm. it Mm. and they say, oh, well, my mind is too busy. I can't do it. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're trying too hard. Um, Like, ideally, yes. Like you have a really deep session where you go really deep and you transcend thought, but that's not going to happen every single time. Yeah. So when people have thoughts and their mind is busy, they get really frustrated and it's like, no, you're trying. So, so don't judge yourself. Forget the effort. Just go back to your breath or go back to your mantra or whatever it is that you're doing. And don't have this judgment of like, oh, I fail at meditation. Um, just thoughts are going to arise. It's the brain. The brain naturally, like thoughts, nat- you can sit quietly and not be in meditation and thoughts will arise naturally. And so don't judge yourself for that. Just go back to the breath. Go back to the mantra or whatever it is that you're doing. And uh, don't have that judgment. And I think people get hung up in that judgment. And uh, they, they try too hard to not think. And then, yeah. of course, they think. Yeah. I agree. I, I struggled with that at first. It was always yeah. like, you know, trying to turn off the brain. Yeah. Versus like, oh, that's an interesting thought. I'm probably maybe a little worried about that. Just Let's let get let back it to it. Just yeah. let it go. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So, all right. So we got food we covered a little bit. Yeah. Stress reduction. Yes. That includes probably exercise and some Absolutely. form of meditation. Yeah. Um, anything else sort of holistically that you you get into with it all? <clears throat> I know it probably varies person to person. But yeah, it, it definitely does. Um... I guess how does, how does that sort of big picture you put kind of those pieces of the puzzle together with someone Mm -hmm. how does that impact the person 
Like, what are you trying yeah, to so, really... Well, usually they come to me with some very specific yeah, goals, yeah, you true. know? And um, so I'm trying to help them achieve their goals first and foremost. Um, sometimes, and, and, you know, we have different success with different people, but reduce stress, ease of peace and mind. Um, I have had a lot of really great success with respiratory conditions and mm. with skin conditions, um, getting, getting people off of their inhalers. Mm. Um, getting people to a point where they can go to their doctor and reduce their prescriptions or, um, or get off them altogether. Um, of course, the, the vegan, vegetarian diet is always helpful with losing weight, with um, high cholesterol patients, uh, and um, with depression, actually, also, too. When you deal with more, and, and this is kind of interesting because it also depends like what your biggest complaint is. So Ayurveda, and this is something I probably should have touched on a little earlier, Ayurveda understands the world through the elements. It's, um, there's Vada, the element of air and space, Pitta, the element of fire and water, and then Kapha, the element of water and earth. And those elements, those five elements, are inside all of us. And it's the balance or imbalance of each of those that causes, that creates wellness or creates dis-ease. And so I'm looking at, um, like, and there's kapha in the body, there's kapha in the mind, there's kapha in the heart. You know, like, these elements exist on all levels, body, mind, spirit. Mm. And so if you, is, is your ailment largely mental, like, you know, mental, um, like depression, anxiety, things like that. Is it physical? Is it in the respiratory system? Is it in the gut? Is it in the joints? Um, is it a heaviness in the heart? You know, what are we treating specifically? And we'll take different approaches that way. Um, when it's in the mind, when it's in the heart, then I'm recommending a diet rich in sattvic foods, rich in green leafy vegetables, green, rich in fruits, rich in, you know, very, very simple, very vegan. Um, if it's in the gut, then there's probably going to be a lot more spices. There's going to be lists of food to avoid, lists of food to favor, um, and a lot of different spices because spices help with digestion. And, mm. they, you know, they can help in some ways, and the wrong ones can hurt in others. So it's going to be very detailed in, like, this is exactly what I want you cooking for dinner. Mm. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if it's joints, then, you know, it might be like, let's look at how you're exercising. How are you exercising? How are you moving? Are you not moving? Um, and there, what age are you? Um, maybe there's some topical things that I'm prescribing uh, to massage into the joints or maybe some herbal compounds. Um, I know as a boat racer, I am really hard on my knees because I kneel in these little wooden boats and I... My knees, all of our, all of our knees take a, take a beating. So every year, like even though I'm a young, healthy individual, I'm taking herbal compounds to help, to help with my knees so that I still have them when I'm 70 years old. Um, you know, and so sometimes it's just how aggressive are you in life? Does, does your trade, does your job impact your body in a way that um, is creating this imbalance? And those are things that are harder to alter, but we can work with it. Mm. Um, so I guess is that, is that a good picture yeah. painted? Yeah, totally. And it's yeah. something you 
you reminded me as you were talking of like a quote I've heard in that how long has like Ayurveda and like Eastern medicine been around? 5,000 years. 5,000 years. Yeah. And for some reason we call that alternative medicine. Right. And we call Western medicine like medicine (laughs) or modern medicine when like one's been around since like the beginning of time and but but that's considered crazy right no these these recommendations these these formulas um have been time tested for five millennia (laughs) (laughs) but no no that the medicines we have developed in the past 50 to 100 years that's it yeah that's totally oh you know what i love um Sometimes some of my older generation friends, when they hear what I do or when they, especially when I first started, um, you know, there would be cracks and things like that, uh, you know, about like practicing fake medicine and things like that. And they, it was always meant to be good hearted. But when you make that kind of crack, right, when you're fresh out of your graduate degree, um, it's less funny. And, (laughs) (laughs) and my favorite thing is, uh, a gentleman who said this to me once very lovingly. Um, I knew he was on Lipitor for his cholesterol. And I was like, well, you do understand that the active ingredient in Lipitor comes from red yeast rice. Mm -hmm. And you could just eat red yeast rice. With no side effects. And you'd have to eat a lot of it for at least six months before you'd start to develop the side effects. Yeah. You know, of of Lipitor. Yeah. And, um, And that, like, you know, it's... People, I don't think, realize that a lot of the active ingredients in these drugs yep. are just isolated extracts that come from these plants. Yeah, most of them, actually, like something like 70% is mushroom family, I think. Yeah, for yeah, real. fungi. Yeah. yeah, yeah, unless you're getting into yeah. some of the very tricky uh, bioengineering where it's genetically manipulated to treat, like, genetic disorders and things like that. I mean, that's that's all in a laboratory, but that's less pharmaceutical and more... Um, and we're like very specific to like coming up with treatments for disorder, um, like genetic disorders. Yeah. yeah, which is a different, different thing there. Yeah, and I think like I think like just from like a big picture, like it's changing your mentality. Yeah. To that, you know, all right. When I'm sad, when I'm depressed. Yeah. Well, what am I doing? How am I living that is yeah. creating that stress or that depression? Right. right. And let me, let me tweak some things. Yeah, right. And definitely. see if I can, you know, reduce that or feel mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. Um, versus like, just take the pill. And, yeah. and it's, yeah, it's like, again, to me, like, I just find it so simple. I know like when I'm depressed well I you know I need to not have any beer I need to eat really well I need to have a few green smoothies the next day yeah I need to get out in the sun for a run right like I know all the things in within 24 hours I am at a you know back to where you need to be back to where I need to be at my high life loving self so to me like those things are very obvious but to many people they're not. Yeah, I don't think we're taught that in yeah. American culture. Um, you get the pill, you know, whatever yeah. the pill is. Um, and actually, that lets me circle back to how I became vegan. Yeah. Because I never really it. fully answered that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was in, uh, like, 18, 19, I started developing symptoms of endometriosis. And my doctor was like, all I got for you is a pill. 
and I'm like, right, but I'm going to be on this pill for like decades and the rest of your life. It's not covered by insurance, and we're not even sure if it's going to work. And uh, so I started looking into dietary alternatives, and because I was going to solve this problem, you know, come hell or high water. Yeah. And uh, I tried a couple different things, and then I went vegetarian, and about 80% of my symptoms disappeared. And then I entered grad school, and I met vegans for the first time in my life. Um, because again, like I did grow up in the dairy state of Wisconsin, mm. where we specialize in beer, sausage, and cheese. Yep. And yep. <laughs> that's my culture. And the cheese heads. <laughs> that is, yeah. And my my mother's side of the family is extremely German. My it's been eight years, and my grandmother still, as much as I love her, doesn't quite understand what I eat. Um, or how I'm alive. My father was convinced right. that I was going to die uh, from malnutrition. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and for many years, my brother was mm. on me about, like, you're depriving your body. And I'm like, mm, yeah, but who gets sick every winter and who doesn't? Exactly. Yes, Mac. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, um, but, uh, so then I went full, v or, like, kind of went full vegan as much as I possibly could, um, living in an area that didn't support vegan diets very well. Um, but, uh, and that completely like eradicated all my symptoms. And then yeah. of course the, you see all the environmental impacts and of course, like the treatment of the animals. That was something I tried to be vegetarian when I was 12 once because of animal cruelty yeah and my father absolutely would not let me mm. so then it took me another like 10 years or so to come around and try again as an adult with full control of my diet yeah um and knowing how to make my own food um to to really do it yeah and then now my brother knows for um my brother no longer eats red meat um because of my diet and because of my schooling uh and well, my mother's side of the family will probably never get there 100%. They've made a lot of really positive changes for their own health, for the environment, and uh, just because they know it's better for everybody involved yeah. um, in terms of their shopping, their their culinary intake. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally, I love it. Well, I want to... Uh, we got to talk about racing quick yeah, here. Yeah, no, so, definitely. So this is, like, totally not... <laughs> A combination, like it's, it's just not. like <laughs> it's like boat racing and like Ayurveda. It's yeah, like it's like no, uh, it's, balance it's, thyself, and then it's like let's race, right? You know? Yeah. So and but this is I have a very competitive streak in me. Um, my father, so I'm a third generation speedboat racer. Um, my so explain <laughs> what you mean by that because I've seen now yeah, that I've seen these like boats, you kind like, of need it's not what I yeah. You they're do. like they're like. Um, go-karts on the water they're small wooden usually they're wooden sometimes they're fiberglass um, boats they're one man uh, you are wearing a cut suit it's an open cockpit you feel the full force of the wind and the rain and whatever it is that you're driving in um, you can feel the acceleration push your helmet up against your face um, and so these are very, very sporty little things. It's a small outboard engine on the back. Um, we race all over the country. Um, my father had a very illustrious 40-year driving and political involvement career, um, helping to shape the sport as we know it now, um, winning multiple national championships, I, and building his own boats. Uh, 
in fact, des innovating designs that are now commonplace. Uh, and then I started racing when I was 13. I won a national championship when I was 17. I joined the international racing team when I was 21. Not racing, but from an administrative and pit crew standpoint. Um, and I've helped, you know, I've been a, as, as being a part of that team, we've brought home four bronze medals for our country from International Olympic Committee recognized events. They're, um, they are like the Olympics of boat racing, essentially. And uh, we're still going for silver and gold, but the Estonians are really, really fast. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, and then this year, I finished third nationwide in my category. So um, I spent a lot of time working on engines yep. and trying to figure out how to go faster. Um, it's a com the boat racing community having grown up there, it's their extended family. Um, it's a really great community. They're, culturally, it's very different from, from me. Like, I'm mm. a cultural minority within them. Um, being, being female, for one, um, being a little bit more progressive, being a little bit more wellness-oriented, um, being vegan, definitely. I get a lot of, a lot of like, teasing and shout-outs and yeah. things like that. Um, one of our local racing club likes... Started the started the slogan "fastest vegan on the water," which I 100% will own and take and use <laughs> yeah. all the time, and, um, and be very proud of. And uh, n there's there's more people in the sport now, a growing minority of people that are plant-based or at least conscientious, um, even if they're not full vegan. Um, going vegetarian, being aware of their diets as they're as they're trying to just be healthier and as the environmental impacts become more and more like prominent but it's yeah total totally not a common sense marriage but it's a big part of my life and something that's super cool yeah. so um if you're interested the american powerboat association is our national organization um searching them facebook instagram all the socials uh, you'll be able to see lots of pictures um, yeah, send me a good one that I can post like with I this will. episode so people know what the yeah, hell we're talking so about. <laughs> <laughs> um, some people think, they're like, what is that little spacecraft on your car? And I'm like, oh, I drive that on the water. And they're like, no. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> you know, they, do they always ask in that accent? No, no. but one, <laughs> one person in upstate New York asked me that, yeah. like that, and I, I've never, it's usually... It's usually guys at gas stations and like, what is that thing? Or like, do you drive that? Is that a, what do you do with that? And I'm like, oh, I race it. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's always, I try to answer the long no with a long yes. <laughs> what do you, I'm curious to, uh, to shift gears back a little yeah, bit to, yeah, go for to it. health. Um, what? What is your take on phones and technology and how that impacts our health? Do you have one? Yeah, I think um, I see it a lot in the eyes and I see it a lot in mental health. I see people getting way too uh, absorbed in like who cares, you know, what this person said on the internet or like really obsessively thinking, like having to respond, um, having to 
have an emotional reaction to whatever it is that's going on on the internet, on socials. Um, I'm a millennial. Uh, we, you know, I'm on the social, I'm on all the yeah, standard yeah. social channels. Um, but I make an effort to significantly limit what I post, significantly limit my time on there. You can't be, if you're, especially if you're an entrepreneur in this day and age, you can't get really tied into it. And I think, um, I mean, you can't live without being tied into it. Yeah, but exactly. in order to be well in this day and age, you can't, you have to, like, police yourself and not let yourself be too emotionally tied into it. Um, I know there's a lot of people out there that take the EMF um, standpoint. I am a big data person. Um, I have a lot of scientists in my family. And uh, so I don't think that the hard data is 100% there to make a ruling on like EMF poisoning and things like that. Yeah. Um, So I'm really reluctant to make a statement on that end. But just from the mental... Um, mental aspect, like mental wellness and emotional wellness and be like, dude, bring it back to center. Bring it back to what's happening right here and right now um, and and like focus on what's in front of you that's real and not virtual. Yeah. So I think that's kind of my take on it. Um, yeah. It's just too much emo- emotional investment. People are like, like they, instead of savoring the moment, they like lick the moment and then post it onto social media and then immediately like how many likes do I have? Mm-hmm. So fully savor what's happening to you here in the present and yeah, share it with your friends, share it with your family, promote your business, but um, don't let it deter from fully embracing the moment that you're in right here and right now. Yeah, and don't let what other people do are doing at this yeah. moment that is one of those scenarios that's probably very calculated and somewhat staged yes. that looks really cool. Yes. Don't let that deter you from don't this even, moment yeah, too. Don't let yeah. FOMO get to you. Just yeah. experience joy for that other person and you know, delight for when you get to have that same moment in your life or whatever it is. Mm. But um, yeah, no FOMO. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I like it so at what point did you, let's talk your, your business a little bit here. Sure. Yeah, and we can kind of, we're getting close to an hour, so we can okay. sort of wrap up after that. Sure, maybe. sure. Yeah. Um, so the business kind of started with working with clients, and it was when I was back in Wisconsin, and it was making products for my clients that they needed, like things for eczema, things for sore muscle and joint pain. Um, and, and it was very, very basic in that regard. And oh, scar creams um, mm. for post-surgery scars. I had a lot of success there. I made a neuropathy oil for um, cancer patients because, and I hadn't quite learned this in school, but one of the side effects of chemotherapy is severe neuropathy. Mm. It's not just for diabetics. Mm. And there really aren't very many treatments available. So um, I had some really great success making a neuropathy, a topical neuropathy treatment for cancer patients. And um, it was all very, very medicinal. And then as I was getting ready to move to Boston and uh, I was going to be abandoning my my business um, in favor of an office job, just increased living, cost of living, things like that, being fresh and new in an area, not knowing anybody and having to really like make those contacts before I could support myself through my business again. And uh, 
And I decided that it would be really beneficial to maintain a product line and kind of maintain myself in Ayurveda through that because I wasn't going to be able, I wasn't going to be known, I wasn't going to be able to have advertising as easily, and I wasn't going to have the influx or the flow of clients that I had come to have in Wisconsin. Yeah. And so I expanded. I added some cosmetic products, um, like lotions and things like that. And then I, uh, I, people really liked it. (laughs) 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 And and I had a lot of fun with it. And um, I was just like this little chemist and I got to play with all these different herbal cocktails um, and treating, I got to get really good at skin disorders, um, like eczema, psoriasis, acne, and of course, you know the ever the ever famous like anti aging, <laughs> right? <laughs> but um, so I got to try all these fun different things and traditional Ayurvedic recipes, but make them so that a modern person living in a first world country would approach it because a lot yeah. of Ayurvedic skin treatments are delivered in a way that aren't that are very foreign to people in the modern world. And so I expanded my line. It's got cosmetics. It's got medicinal things. It's got fun things. Um, and that allowed me to kind of like stay an entrepreneur and keep going. And then people would find me sometimes as a practitioner through my clients. And I've gotten clients that way as well, um, working at fairs, things like that. And uh, so I kind of shifted my focus and I love working one-on-one with people. I still do it, but my energy is much more focused on this product. And honestly, as somebody like I have always really wanted to have an impact on the world. Um, One day I would love to have a brick and mortar location. I want to be able to hire people. I want to be able to um, give people jobs and, and change their lives, especially people like, focusing on individuals coming out of the prison system with nonviolent crimes on their history and foster kids that graduate from the system. Those are two extremely vulnerable populations in our society that don't get the attention that they need, often don't get the help that they need once they've graduated from the system. And uh, I wanted to create a business environment where I could um, help people like that by giving them jobs, by helping them Um, learn skills and transition from a life in the system, so to speak, to life outside of the system. And uh, I can't do that super well as a one-on-one practitioner. But as somebody who owns a storefront, who somebody practices, who somebody who sells a product, um, it's much more feasible, it's much more realistic. And I will be able to grow to a point where I'll be able to employ more people and have a greater impact on my community and the world around me, which... Personally, I feel like if you are going to, like that's kind of like my entrepreneurial stance is not just like how can I support myself, but how can I impact the world around me in a positive and gracious way. And so like that's my grand scheme for world domination. I right love there. it. But, <laughs> no, you're, I mean. That's where it all came from. <laughs> I experienced like a similar thing. I, I imagine. You, you know, would, with yeah. like, I did health coaching for a year just yeah. with like people locally yeah um who had heard of my story and yeah. whatever and I just got so frustrated that you know people couldn't stick with eating a certain way right um, yes 
you know, I'd, yeah. I'd show them how to shop. I'd, yes. you know, I'd hold their hand. Oh I'd like, God. this is the cookbook. Just make something out of this. Right. And it's just like, just no. a little effort, right? But Same. if they, if it wasn't convenient, <laughs> yeah. if they had to sacrifice something in their life, like yeah. their social life, yeah. they weren't going to do it. Right. And they would just go back to their old ways. Like so totally. many people, and it, it frustrated totally. me so much. And I was like, all right, if yeah. A, I can't change how people are right for the most part right and be like i'm not going to positively impact thousands hundreds of yeah. thousands millions of people by yeah. you know mm-hmm. working with them one-on-one mm-hmm. so i was like all right i gotta get them plant-based food somehow yeah you have to you know? bait and switch yeah <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be yeah. indiana jones <laughs> and that was it it's like all right let me let me let me feed them, right, yeah. in a fun way that, mm-hmm. you know, they want to go to totally. versus, totally. you know, forcing them to eat that yeah. way, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how it all started for me. No, like I Like a, I a calling you. to help more right. people. And yeah. I don't know, I feel like you can only be the change that you want to be, what you want to see in the world so much before you get to a point where you absolutely need to create change. Like, it's not just enough for me to do it or for you to do it, but yeah. to create an avenue for mass change to happen. Yeah, totally. Well, what's the what's the business name and oh, um, Instagram yeah. and all that stuff so that... Vedic Botanicals. Vedic Botanicals, yeah. Yep. So Ayurveda, the mm-hmm. Vedas, Vedic Botanicals. Um, and that's the name on Instagram, on Facebook. And can you, like, go online and buy it right now? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah it's the website is yourvedicbotanicals.com. Yep. Um, but everything's right there. You can see the full product line. I do it... I do a ton of custom orders too, all the time. Um, no two people are the same. Sometimes people want a cocktail of herbs in their skincare that's completely designed for them. And honestly, those are my favorite things to do. And are you, I love it. And love are you like doing this on your own? Or do you have like a space like, or do you like I have, a, have another I have a manufacturer or something? I have a dedicated space, yeah. but I do all the herb mixing myself. Mm-hmm. I come up with all the formulas, so all cool. the mixtures, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's, it's just me getting creative and weird in my basement. Yeah. So is there, <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's how you, that's how no, things yeah. start. The joke is uncle, the female yeah. version of uncle Fester, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Very um, cool. So yeah. the ultimate goal though, like at some point you have to you know, co-pack somewhere or, right? right? Yeah, teach other other people to make what I make. Um, Every so often I get an intern in um, to work with and somebody who's really interested in healthcare, especially like skincare, beauty products. And then I'm teaching, it's usually like a young high school student, I'm teaching them about different herbs that are good for the skin and how they, how they, um, like how different oils trans, um, like permeate the skin tissues differently and what are the benefits of this versus that and how to make an herbalized oil. What's the difference between an herbalized oil and essential oil and, uh, and just like an infused oil. Like there's a couple different, there's layers of strength there. Mm. And, um, yeah, so sometimes I'm working with young people and one day hope to work with a lot more in a very professional setting and, and hire people to, work with me in the back, mixing things, work, you know, work with people in a store setting, um, or, you know, however, however, wherever the river takes me. Yeah. I love it. I love it. All right. So anything we haven't covered that you'd want to share, maybe something 
people don't know about you that you we haven't covered that you want to share? I love cats. I'm a cat person. Yeah. I have two cats at home also. Yeah. Um, their names are Mira and Yui. They're calicos. Yeah. Um, and I love cats, but it kills me that I can't feed them a vegan diet. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, no, uh, no, there is. I actually just recently watched like... Uh, Joe Rogan, you yeah. know Joe Rogan, his like mm-hmm. stand up. I'm not a huge fan of his, but um, he has this whole bit about like vegans with cats and then yeah. feeding them right. you know, like, non vegan food. I still feel bad that I have to go to the grocery store and be like, all right, so which animal has the least environmental impact? Ugh. I have to buy them chicken and turkey and like generic ocean white fish because I won't get tuna or salmon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, yeah. yeah, I feel bad. That's that a whole other rabbit hole yeah, that we no, could go is, down. Yeah, I know it is. It's just like I hate giving my money <laughs> yeah. that way, but um, yeah. I also like love my cats. Um, yeah. And I guess I just want to leave with, I think the biggest takeaway from the Ayurvedic texts, it's like Ayurveda in a nutshell, is uh, avert the danger that has not yet come. Mm. And so it's like learning, it's like being in tune with your body and being in tune with nature to a point where, like you said, when you start to feel the funk, you can move in a certain way and adjust in a certain way that you avert the danger that has not yet appeared. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I'm totally going to start using that because <laughs> that is like, that's no, the key, right? I think that's, uh, that's like Ayurveda in a nutshell. Yeah. Cool. So last one for you. Sure. At the end of the day, why do you live vegan, plant-based? Why do you do it? What's your, what's your why for living that way? I think I would die inside if I didn't. Um, I I don't want to be a part of something like when I was 12 and I was trying to go vegan or vegetarian for the first time. Um, I could not be a part of something or take you know in any way, shape, or form that made the world a more cruel place. And instead, I want to be a part of. The, I want to be on the side of whoever it is that's making the world a less cruel place. Uh, there's so much that happens in the world that's not positive, and, uh, so, and we, we can't opt out of it entirely, especially living in America, like where our tax dollars are used, what corporations do. Like We cannot, as individuals, control that as much as we'd probably like to. But um, you can be a part of the solution and take small action to make the world more peaceful, more loving, and less cruel, to like opt out as much as you possibly can. And I think that's why I do it, is to, to opt out as much as I possibly can from cruelty. Mm. I love it. Yeah. Cool. Well, I, th- I think we did it. And, and before we, we sign off, thank you. And thank, thank you. you for yeah. doing what you do and just being an awesome, positive influence in the world. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you as well. Thank you for having me. And I hope it was beneficial, educational, inspiring, insightful, all the good things. No doubt. No doubt was. Cool. Thank you. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Pat.